0: Does it feel like Christmas yet? Is that a no? I uh, I'm having a hard time, but this year, for some reason, it seems like the uh, the year has just gone by so fast, um, and yet I'm ready for it to be over too. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, I don't know if this all encourages you to stick around for uh, the the next uh, show. <laughs> Um, But I I hope that you do. The kids are are ready and um, it's going to be fun. And maybe that will um, begin to really stir up the the Christmas spirit in all of us. Um, But uh, we're going to begin today going through the life of Christ. Um, Had uh, this series in mind for a while um, that we would spend uh, the next several months... Talking about the life of Christ, much like we did with David, just really exploring the Gospels and uh kind of the 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 details of kind of where he was and how he moved from place to place and the meaning behind it and and why you know he had a ministry in galilee and and then moved to Judea down to jerusalem and and those kinds of things so we're going to explore that um, but before we do you you you're getting I don't know if you know this, but an exclusive sneak peek at this series, okay? The 1015 folks are going to miss what you're getting this morning, unless they uh, maybe go online and get at some other point. But um, we're going to begin with the life of Joseph, and it's interesting to me to just think about um, <laughs> the awesome responsibility that he had to be the father, to raise god 's son okay now um, i don 't know i I 'm a father of two young girls, and uh, I know how anxious I was when when they were um, when we knew that, they, that we were going to have children and we were praying and just praying constantly every day, just that God would protect them and and uh, make them healthy and safe and and uh, bring them into the world, and you know all those things that are just totally out of your control and then you know as you begin to raise these kids now you know just how much uh you can mess them up so <laughs> so god did his part he he blessed them with healthy bodies and and now we got to try to do the the best we can to uh be the the kind of people that he wants them to be and and there's obviously a responsibility on their part to listen and and to obey but you know for joseph uh, being handed this responsibility, okay, here you're you're going to be the the adopted father of of my son, you know. Don't mess it up. Um, so, what kind of a guy was he? And so, let's uh, stand as we read God's word this morning, Matthew chapter one, and we're going to pick it up in verse eighteen, Matthew one eighteen. And I'm um, going to apologize. I'm reading from the NIV and on the screen it's the ESV so it's going to read just a little bit differently um, than your pew bible and what's on the screen but I I really like how it it reads in the NIV Um, and so here's what it says this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about his mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph but before they came together she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. And Father, we thank you for your word as uh, we begin to... Uncover, explore, and uh, be taught, Lord, the character of this man, Joseph, that you had set apart for such a a high honor, but also a tremendous responsibility, Lord, to be the father of your own son, uh, to stand in that place, offer strength and character and protection. Uh, when uh, Jesus was so vulnerable. And Lord, we thank you for that. We pray that you would uh, give us wisdom, understanding. um, Lord, as we uh, explore your word, as we always do, Lord, we pray that you would uh, help us to not only understand it, but apply it to our lives for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So you're going to notice that uh, I skipped... Um, the first uh, 17 verses, which is the genealogy of Jesus. Um, And so you're welcome. Um, I have preached on the genealogy in the past. It is very important, um, even if it's not always super... I don't want to say it's not super interesting, because there are some aspects of it that are really interesting. Um, But what you have to know about the genealogy is that we're gonna, what we're going to do is look at Joseph um, as being qualified to be uh, the father of Jesus, okay? He has to be qualified. And the first qualification uh, is that he has to be of uh, the right ancestry, okay? He has to have the right genealogy. Matthew records the genealogy of Jesus through Joseph. Now, How many of you know that Joseph is not the biological father of Jesus? Raise your hand. Okay. So, why do we trace the genealogy of of Jesus through Joseph if he's not biologically the father of Jesus? And the reason why is because Joseph will be the legal father of Jesus and the adopted father of Jesus. He still has to qualify uh, genealogy, or, or through his ancestry, through genealogy, to be the the uh, the legal guardian, the legal father of Jesus, so that Jesus will have no doubt, no question legally that he can be the Messiah. Okay, now if you jump over to Luke, you're going to see another genealogy. G- uh, Luke records the genealogy of Jesus through Mary. Okay, so now we have this double confirmation. Joseph, in, in the legal sense, is the, the, uh, he is qualified. Mary, in, through biology, is qualified because she is inherently um, genetically and uh, in, in through her ancestry related to David. Now, Scripture tells us that uh, God has determined through prophecy uh, all the way back from Genesis chapter 3 who the Messiah was going to be, okay? And it says in Genesis chapter 3 that Eve, uh, that she would have a child uh, that it would be a human being that would be the Messiah, okay? So the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. You remember that? Now, it's interesting, okay? God is broadly saying that the Messiah, the one who's going to save the world from sin, is going to be a human being, but he's also beginning to give us a little bit of a hint that this person, this human being, is going to be uniquely born of the woman and almost to the exclusion of the man. Would you agree? He says the seed of the woman, born of a virgin. Isaiah makes it absolutely clear that it's going to be born of a virgin, and then Matthew picks that up here and uh, declares that in verse 23. The virgin will give birth to a child, to a son. Uh, but he's declaring that the Messiah will be a human being. So uh, it's, it's a human. It's not some phantom. It's not God just coming down and, and performing this, this work on his own. It's going to be a man. And then he begins to narrow it down, and it's going to be through Abraham. Now, Abraham had other children than Isaac, right? So, But it's going to be through Abraham, but Abraham had a son before he had Isaac who was, anybody, anybody? Ishmael through Hagar. Then he had Isaac through the promise. But then, how many of you know that, that Sarah died and Abraham remarried? Did you know that? Anybody know her name? I'll give you $5. <laughs> Going once. Okay. Huh? Ah! I thought you said it because it sounded like it, Keturah. She said it's too early, and I thought, I thought maybe she said Keturah. Her name was Keturah, 250. Okay, I'll give you 250. So, um, and, and so anyway, he had another wife, and he had more children uh, with this wife. In his old age, he had uh, some more children, but it's through Isaac that uh, God has promised to bring the Messiah And then Isaac had two children Remember who those were Jacob and Esau And God chose Jacob To have the promise And so through Jacob Now we have the twelve sons of Israel Jacob's name changes to Israel And the twelve sons of Israel Only one of them is promised to be Of the kingly line And his name was Judah Okay, so Judah is promised to have the kingly line. Now God begins to what he's doing all the time is he's narrowing it down and narrowing it down and then he gives the promise finally to David and it will be somebody from David's lineage who will be the Messiah. In order to qualify to be the Messiah, okay, you have to be human, <laughs> born of a virgin, born you have to be Jewish, you have to be of the line of David. Okay, And this is of Judah and then the line of David. So in order for Joseph to qualify as his legal guardian, he has to be of the line of David. And this is what the genealogy proves. This is why okay, today the Messiah can't... And I, I don't want to say this so absolutely, but it, the reality is that they they do not have the genealogical records anymore of the Jewish people. They... Even even just to know uh, what tribe they're from, they, they don't know. All they know is that they're, they're Jewish, that they are the people of Israel. They don't know if they're the tribe of Benjamin or Judah or the tribe of Aaron or, or anything. Okay, They just know that they're Jewish. The genealogical records were destroyed in A.D. 70 when the temple was destroyed and all of Jerusalem was destroyed. So the Messiah... Had to be born in that time period. This was very important that that they knew specifically, exactly, that they could prove it, that they could trace the records all the way back to know that this person was qualified, because prophecy was clear, this person had to be born in all these different ways. Okay. Joseph qualifies. Now, let me tell you just a little bit um, of the differences between Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Matthew and Luke both record the, the birth narratives of Jesus. Mark doesn't even talk about it. Okay, Mark picks up the life of Jesus when he's 30 years old and just starts in his ministry. Uh, John gives us just a little bit of a theology, and he says, and I'm sure many of us have this memorized, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word with God was God, and then it says, I think in verse 17, and the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, right? So he, then, then he just goes into John the Baptist and then goes into the, the ministry of Jesus, okay? So that's all we get from John of the birth of Jesus, is just that he is from God, uh, and that he is God. Matthew talks about the birth of Jesus, and he uh, focuses exclusively on Joseph doesn't talk about Mary much. I mean, Mary's obviously involved. <laughs> okay, we got that. But um, it's really about Joseph and who he is and how God is leading and directing him. In Luke, what you have is God ha- uh, really, or uh, the story focuses on Mary and her getting the message from the angel and uh, and, and doesn't really talk much about Joseph at all. Um, in fact, If you were to only read the Gospel of Luke, and that's all you had, okay, your Bible in front of you, and Matthew and Mark and John are are nowhere to be found, and all you had was the Gospel of Luke, what you would see, okay, is that Mary gets the revelation that she's going to have this baby, and then they go down to Bethlehem, and they have the baby, and the shepherds are there, and they have this wonderful time, and then eight days later they go to the temple, which is just like five miles up the road. Uh, To Jerusalem, they dedicate Jesus, and then they just go to Nazareth. Okay, that's what that would be the whole story if you only got it from Luke. In Matthew is where you get all the different things of the Magi. So, and here's what's happening: it's not a contradiction. What it is is more information. Luke just skips over about three years of what happened in between, so he jumps from the dedication to, and then they go to Nazareth. Matthew, he talks about the Magi, and how Herod is going to try to kill Jesus. They go to Egypt, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus for a couple of years, or how long, we're not exactly sure. And then they come back to Israel, and then they go to Nazareth. You get all that from Matthew. You have all these different layers, but what you're seeing in Matthew is the focus is on Joseph, okay? And so he's qualified to be the father genetically, and that's important, but um, I'm going to say it's probably the least important qualification that, that he has to be the father of Jesus. Would you agree? How many men are qualified biologically to be fathers? Okay. Is that the highest qualification? <laughs> the answer is anybody? Anybody? Your thumbs up. Okay. You're like, come on, just keep going. Alright, so here's what it says This is how it came about Um, His mother Mary's pledged to be married to Joseph But before they came together She was found to be with child Through the Holy Spirit Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man Did not want to expose her to public disgrace He had in mind to divorce her quietly Okay Legally they are married It's a legally binding contract An engagement at that time Is not like an engagement now it's not just, here's a ring, and, and, and we have a verbal agreement. It, it is a legally binding contract. Money, as in dowry, probably has already exchanged hands, and there's a promise, and it's legally binding. And in order to break an engagement, it, it means divorce. Okay, It is a, a legal process to go through that. So they have not come together in marriage yet. They are not yet uh, officially, in, through the ceremony, they, they have this year-long engagement to make sure that everything is, is kosher, okay? And so uh, what happens is, and I have a hard time trying to picture this. I don't know exactly how this happened. Mary gets the announcement from Gabriel, right? We see that in Luke. How does Joseph find out? You ever think about that? What, what's the process here? Um, I do not believe that it is just gossip or a rumor that he hears because it says that he has it in mind to um, divorce her quietly. Can you divorce somebody quietly if everybody's talking about it? I don't think so. I think that it's something that she must have or her parents, her dad probably, but she must have had a conversation with Joseph. Would you agree? I think she went to him And she just said, listen, I'm pregnant. But, hold on. (laughs) You can imagine his reaction. But before you lose your cool, um, here's what happened. An angel came, spoke to me, uh, Gabriel, and here's the conversation. It's from the Holy Spirit, and this is going to be the Messiah. I mean, now, how many of you would say, even if she is just as believable as as you can imagine a person being. It's still going to be hard to believe it. Anybody? Like, I want to believe you, but I don't know about this. So anyway, it says that he's a righteous man in verse 19, and so he has it in mind to divorce her quietly. So here's, here's the options that Joseph has. He can um, divorce her very publicly. Um, and I think, in some ways, that is more to his best interest to make make a show of it, to let her feel the shame and the disgrace of the fact that she has committed adultery. And he, Joseph, is a you know as a person who is righteous, you want to preserve your reputation. And so, in order to preserve his reputation, it probably would have been in his best interest to make sure that her reputation is destroyed. Unfortunately, that would have been part of the the whole process it It is a an honor shame uh, society or a culture okay we don't get that we're not in an honor shame culture anymore we we don't understand that you're standing with people and and in your job, how you function uh, how much you might make or whether or not you can even get a job or who you can relate to and have relationships with or who you can get married to all those things in that society was based on having a reputation a good reputation it was based on honor and there was only so much of it to go around so if you lost it you lost it for good Um, it was a serious thing so in joseph's own best interest probably it would have been most beneficial to publicly shame her and retain his good reputation that's one option another option is that he does have the legal ability to have her put to death Uh, adultery is in that time in through the word of the Lord and the law of the Lord a capital offense okay capital offense means punishable by death adultery was so serious that she could have been executed for this now you and I probably think that's a little extreme um, sometimes I, I wonder if our society would be in a much better place if we, if adultery was a capital offense. Would you agree? You, you don't agree. Okay, but <laughs> what if people actually just took it as seriously as God did? We don't take it as seriously as God does anymore. It's just like this. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't. We don't even think about it. We, we're, we are so sexually immoral in this country these days that we just cover over all that stuff and oh people are just people and we just kind of get over it and god took it pretty seriously to put it in his law that adultery was a capital offense it wasn't just something man made up Um, it was something that god had said listen how much destruction this causes just look at how it destroys people, marriages and kids and families and society. The biggest problem that we have in the world today, okay, now this is, this is a pretty bit bold statement, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. The biggest problem we have in the world today, besides faithlessness, is fatherlessness. Kids growing up without a father. It is rampant, in many third world countries it is I mean the majority of children are being, are being raised in fatherless homes in our country it is getting worse and worse this is where violence, gang violence and crime and all kinds of problems are coming from which cause all kinds of societal problems which causes all kinds of government problems legal problems and it all it comes from spiritual problems would you agree? It starts spiritually, goes to fatherlessness, and then everything just falls apart after that. Joseph had the ability to call on the law to have Mary put to death. He could have done that. He was not obligated to do that. So he has it in mind to divorce her quietly, because, and it says, why? Because he is a righteous man. What does that mean? Righteous means that he wants to do the right thing just because it is the right thing. He just wants to do the right... He, he's trying to figure out what is the right thing to do. Not in his best interests. Not in, his, not in what he can get away with. Not in to his legal you know, ramifications or possibilities. It is what's the right thing to do because it's the right thing to do. And that's what he's trying to achieve. And and here's his first, well, it's really his second. His first qualification is genetically, biologically, ancestry, he's qualified. His second qualification, major qualification, is that he is seeking to be a righteous person, putting his own self-interest aside and just doing what is right. And I'm going to tell you that if you and I were to simply do that, just that we would be a lot better off would you agree how much better would our church be our society be our community be if people were just to say what's the right thing to do here not what's best for me not because I'm going to get some advantage just because it's the right thing to do and people just started doing that I I think you would see a big change um, in the way things go so he's a righteous person. God knows this about Joseph. He's already you know, uh, planned this whole thing out. He knows Joseph's a righteous man, but this gives us that key to his character. And then from there, he says, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. So how many of you ha- remember your dreams? Anybody have a dream last night that you remember? Was it weird? I had a dream last night, that, and uh, uh, I don't remember the whole thing, but part of it was, uh, for some reason, Troy Riddle wants to play paintball. And uh, he has this big rig with a backpack and a like a machine gun paintball gun. Can you picture it? And for whatever reason, I am feeling responsible to try to to organize a paintball excursion with Troy for like his birthday or something like just to I don't know where did that come from it's just weird stuff it doesn't mean anything I'm not going to run out tomorrow and try to organize a paintball game I might I don't know you don't, I mean <laughs> it's just and a lot of your dreams, like, they're just weird stuff. You know science has not figured out what dreams are? You go and try to, to find out the scientific conclusion of what, where dreams come from and what they mean, what they're about, where they even originate. And they, Scientists say, maybe one theory is, and they'll just kind of start spinning. They don't know. They cannot figure out. And, and part of the reason why is because human consciousness is so far beyond the scientific realm to really understand how it was designed, okay? Your brain is infinitely more complex than any computer man has ever made. Do you know that? I mean, not just a little bit. It's infinitely more complex. We have not even scratched the surface of the power and the complexity of the human brain consciousness. Science doesn't understand it. But we have dreams, and sometimes, you know, things happen in our dreams, things that you have experienced, things that you've seen, heard, and they kind of pop into your dreams. Can you imagine Joseph having this dream? And he's thinking about this situation the whole time, obviously. Probably Mary has said, I, you know, spoke to an angel. So Joseph's thinking about angels, thinking about his situation with Mary, and he has a dream. How Easy would it be to, to wake up from that dream and say, oh, okay, that's, that must be the word of the Lord. Anybody wake up from a dream and like know that that's God's word to you? A couple things. I think um, one is that when you know, you know. Okay? For Joseph, it wasn't a question. I think he knew that God was speaking to him in this dream, that this angel, that he, it was a real event and that it wasn't there's no question in his mind that God had chosen to use a dream to speak to him in this way now I'm going to give you a couple points here to think about one is um, one of the things that this encourages me in is understanding that God chooses to speak to us in a lot of different ways and I don't choose the way that he speaks to me except for his word which is the absolute truth of God's revelation, Um, how he relates to me personally and reveals and guides and helps me to understand through the power of the Holy Spirit and his word, sometimes it's a dream, sometimes it's a feeling, sometimes it's a sense, but people have visions, they have dreams, they have all kinds of different experiences with the Lord, and for me, I, I take into account the fact that the way he relates to you is different than the way that he relates to me. When you tell me that the Lord spoke to you about something and that he that God wants me to do something that he told you, then number 1 I'm going to take it back to the word of God and say okay, well, is that true? Uh, is it conflict with God's word? And secondly, I believe that God will confirm it to me. So people, you know, how many of you know that there's a lot of people tell me that God gave them a word for me? <laughs> How many of you have gotten a word from somebody else that, that they said is for you? And you have to confirm that in your own relationship, but I don't discount that just because I don't have that experience doesn't mean that it's not a valid experience. Does that make sense? Some people hear audible voices. I have heard an audible voice one time. It freaked me out. I mean, and I don't choose that. I didn't. wasn't something I asked for. And I remember very clearly, and I, I know I've said this before, and I'll just quickly d- tell you this, but I was in seminary. I heard a voice. I jumped up from bed, okay, and I, it was late at night, and uh, I was awake, and I heard something, and I go to my Bible, and I open it up to Job 32 or 3, okay? I didn't know this was in here, but the the Bible says, sometimes God speaks to us, um, in in uh, words in the night which terrify us. Uh, that's the verse that I read as soon as I jumped out of bed and opened my Bible. Okay? It was a strange experience. I still don't know exactly what it meant. <laughs> but I don't discount the fact that God can speak to us in a lot of different ways. Would you agree? How he relates to you, you don't necessarily get to choose. Would Joseph have chosen to have a waking uh conversation with an angel versus a dream if he could choose probably it wasn't his choice god knew that joseph would obey if he would give him this kind of communication and so that was what he did he gave him this kind of communication i think it confirmed what joseph really desired it says joseph do not be afraid to take mary home as your wife here's what joseph was struggling with I want to take Mary home as my wife, and I want to believe that what she said is true. But I'm afraid that it's not. And God confirmed that it was. And here's what you see in Joseph, okay, is that he just obeys. He just, as soon as he knows this is what God wants, he just does it. Um, He will receive three more dreams, okay? I, I don't know why Joseph doesn't get direction in a different way than that, okay, Uh, why he doesn't get a vision, why he doesn't get uh, an audible voice or anything else, uh, he gets dreams, but in Matthew um, 2 and 13, Herod is going to try to kill, um, this is after the Magi, we'll talk about them in another message later, Um, but he's going to try to kill Jesus, and so Joseph gets another dream, and he says to go uh, to Egypt. Um, It says, uh, uh, When they had gone, the angel of the Lord, in this verse 13, appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother. Escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the mother during the night. Okay? How long does he wait? A week? A month? I mean, he gets up that night. It's like, (laughs) and here's two more times. God says, Herod's dead. You can go back. Then he says, go to Nazareth. Joseph does not want to go to Nazareth, okay? That's where the, the rumors and the gossip are going to be. That's where he's going to be the least um, high on the, the respect scale. In fact, throughout Jesus' ministry, they talk about this, um, that uh, Jesus, isn't he, you know, the son of Mary? And aren't these his brothers? Like, they, they say things that give you the indication that uh, they're not sure about whether or not Jesus really is the son of Joseph. It, it had gotten out, uh, this whole thing, about Jesus' miraculous birth, and people were talking about it. He doesn't want to go to Nazareth, but the Bible says he will be a Nazarene. He will be from Nazareth. Um, and so he goes to Naz- He just obeys, and this is the whole issue, okay? The third qualification, and probably the most important, is that Joseph... Whenever he knows the will of God, he obeys the will of God. When he hears the word of God, he obeys the word of God. Without question, he just says, that's your word? Okay, that's what I'll do. Jesus is going to be the Messiah because he's biologically and spiritually qualified. Okay, He fulfills prophecy that way. He's born of a virgin. Number one, that's... The least important qualification that Jesus has to be the Messiah. He has to have it, but here's the most important He will obey His Father. He will obey His Father's voice in every instance. In every word that He speaks, in every action that He takes, He will obey His Father. And He will do that for His whole life, and then He will sacrifice that life on the cross. His obedience is what qualified Him to be the Messiah, to be your Savior. Amen. Joseph, I'm not saying Joseph taught him that. I mean he but he certainly did reflect that in his own life. Whenever God spoke, he obeyed. Listen, there's one thing that makes you a Christian. Okay, you trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That took a step of obedience to do that. Right? To to obey God's word, the gospel, to say, gee, I need Jesus to save me from my sin. Every movement of spiritual growth in your life beyond that initial step of salvation is a, a movement of obedience. doesn't mean you have to know everything. okay? No, none of us know everything. But will you obey what you know? When you do that, you're going to grow spiritually. When you don't do that, you're going to backslide. You're going to find yourself spiritually stagnant and far from God. Not lost, but not where you want to be. Obedience is the key. Amen? If I can encourage you this season, pray about that. Is there something, God, that I'm not doing, that you've clearly shown me? Would you help me to get beyond myself and to do what you want? Amen? Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we are excited, God, for all that you're doing. God, we pray that you would reveal more and more to us about who you are, what you want for us, from us. Lord, to be uh, people that reflect Jesus to this world. God, they need to see a difference. And Lord, we pray that we would be that difference. Help us, God, in every way as we worship, as we celebrate, as we... um, Rejoice in, in the fact that we have a Savior. We trust that Savior. Lord, help us to make the name of the Savior known in and through our lives for your glory. Lord, thank you for Joseph. Lord, thank you for his character, um, his willingness to take on such a monumental job. We thank you for his strength and, uh, Lord, for the fact that you provided a Father for our Savior uh, that we could look up to. And we give you all praise, God, for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.